0: I want to also welcome everyone worshipping with us through Livegate Outreach TV and uh, listening to our podcasts on iTunes and Buzzsprout. We are truly thankful for your uh, being with us and those that also follow us on our Facebook page on LifeGate Outreach Center. We thank you for the extended fellowship that you give to us and the encouraging words you send from time to time. And even the support financially that you uh, send to us. We are truly grateful because in every one of these things, I want you to know that God is reaching you right where you are. Some of you are way across the globe, and um, yet you are so much in touch. We are truly grateful for this, and may the Lord continue to prosper you all in Jesus' name. We want to thank God for the brand new series that we started in the course of last week on enjoying divine intervention. You see, I believe that one of the things that make a man survive uh, particularly as a Christian, is being able to walk consistently in divine intervention. The more you find God coming to your situation and help you to do things, the more you find life possible, the more you find ministry achievable, the more you find assignments up, uh, attainable. Uh, and life begins to have a new meaning. Purpose is well defined. Purpose is well fulfilled because God is divinely intervening. So this series of uh, five, five weeks, we started it last week by, victory, by looking at victory by the blood of Jesus as we entered Resurrection Sunday. And uh, so this next four weeks, we'll be looking at some of the things that the blood of Jesus has ratified for us already and uh, how we can walk in victory in them. When we talk about divine intervention, I want us to remember that this is about God stepping into the affairs of man so that he can enforce his purposes. God stepping into the affairs of man so that he can enforce his purposes. We have several, several examples of divine intervention in scripture. There was a time the Jews were to be uh, uh, destroyed because of the the evil plotting of one man called Haman and God divinely intervened using a woman called Esther. And we all know the rest of the story. We know that there was a time the children of Israel would have also been destroyed by one man called Goliath and using a vessel called who was called David, or who was called David at that time, uh, and uh, used mightily to uh, deliver God's people by divine intervention. It was not the stone that brought Goliath down. We all know that. It was not the force of David's uh, ability to, to use a slingshot. He was good at it, but that was not what brought Goliath down. We knew that there was a hand of God that forcefully caused that stone to do much more than a normal stone would have done. It is called divine intervention. The woman with the issue of blood had gone around for many years. Nothing could happen to her. Tried several physicians. For 12 years, there was nothing she could do. But the day she touched the hem of the uh, garment of the Master Jesus Christ, she encountered divine intervention. And that day, the Bible says, the blood ceased. And we can go on and on and on and on. So these series are to help you to understand how you can position yourself for this divine intervention. No Christian can survive in this end time without relying on divine intervention. And you know very well that in this church, we don't encourage you to just leave everything to God and not do what you ought to do. So it's not about us not fulfilling our parts, but it's about us understanding that no matter what we do, however we present ourselves, it is always about allowing God to intervene uh, and help us supernaturally. Praise the Lord. Like we read in the scripture reading today, in Isaiah chapter 43, from verse 1 to 7, our, those, those are the, the, the anchor scriptures for today's session, and I will be taking us on some of the verses, one or two of the verses, and then some of the things. I want to again encourage you, if you have not been joining in the morning prayers, the morning prayers have grown, grown beyond just a time of prayer, and I'm not saying time of prayer is, is an ordinary thing. But I hear things being shared by brethren that really... I take notes. When people are talking, I'm taking notes. We take these verses, we expound them in the course of the week, and it's such an awesome thing that happens there. We we learn much more about the topic, and we pray also. So if you can, even if it's one morning a week, join in. It's online. You can be in your bedroom. You can be anywhere to be a part of that. And join us, and uh, the Lord will continue to bless you accordingly in Jesus' name. So... Victory over fear is our title today. And now we have a banner there that uh, we created from last week that I said will cover this series. And um, we will be highlighting in red the, the, the emphasis per week as we do with these banners that have a series on them or that relate to a series. So we're looking at victory over fear. This is part of what the blood of Jesus has given to us. Our redemption accords us this kind of victory. You see, we must understand Fear is a very unpleasant emotion that is caused by an opposing threat, either of danger or pain or harm. It is an unpleasant emotion. Nobody has fear. Now, we know very clearly that we're not talking about the fear of God. About two weeks ago, we looked at that, and um, I believe it was Pastor Moses shared very very profoundly on the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which is a spirit that we all must operate by in order to be able to obey God and to be able to benefit from the promises of scripture. Praise the Lord. So when we talk about fear, we're talking about the fear that is of the enemy. We're talking about the fear that is satanic. It is an unpleasant emotion. You know that man is a spirit, he has a soul and he lives in a body. We are saying that in the soulish realm of man, fear can attack man and give him such an unpleasant emotion. Anytime there is a threat of some kind of danger, anytime there is a threat of some kind of uh, uh, pain, anytime there is a threat of some kind of harm, it's natural to be afraid. This is why at times you, 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 you see that you just perceive that something is coming towards you and you, before you know it, you have ducked, you have you know, moved in fear to duck. Now, of course, there are natural instincts that God put in us so that we don't just get harmed anyhow, but also there, are, there is the manipulation of those natural instincts by the enemy to bring fear. Now, one of the things that redemption has done is to give us victory over this demonic fear. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 43, the very first verse we read, let's read together loud and clear. It said, but now... Are you there? Let's read. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by your name. You are mine. Somebody say, I am his. Say, he has called me, David. Don't say David. Put your name. Say, he has called me, David, by name. I don't know whether that ever hits you. To think that we are about 7 billion people on earth and God saying that he has called me, David Oloki, by name, personally. It's such an honor, such a privilege. Now, the the, the list for uh, 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 Prince Harry and uh, Meghan, Merkel. Is that Merkel? Meghan? Marco. Their, their wedding is made this year. Is it? It's made this year. Now, I heard that the list of those who are attending is being drawn up and people have been sent letters. Now, there are people who, who will take that letter and frame it for the rest of their lives. That they were invited to a royal wedding because they were identified out of 60 million people that live on this, in this country, they were identified as one of those that have been picked. Some are just out of by random. Or some are picked out of community service and so on. And they are picked to be in that royal wedding that will be watched all over the world. Now how much more God of heaven, the eternal rock of ages, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the one who created us, said he has called you and I by name. There is an assurance that he should give you that should never ever leave you. Hallelujah. I want you to find something here that God showed me in Isaiah 43. This is an Old Testament verse. But if you know anything about Isaiah, he was one of the most prolific prophets of the Old Testament who knew so much about redemption. Till today, we quote his verses about the coming of Jesus. Till today, we quote his verses about the suffering of Jesus. Very profound, very prolific a prophet he was. He saw thousands of years before him. Now listen to this. Let's read it again. Thus, by, but now, let's read together again. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you? Somebody say Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. That is where man was created, right? He said, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Somebody say John chapter 3 verse 16. Can you see the two? He said, I created you. And then I redeemed you. When you understand that you have a partaker of this two-stage process of God's eternal plan of redemption, you must be the person who he's referring to after the colon. He said, O oh Israel, what does he say? Fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you and I have called you by your name and you are mine. Hallelujah. So, fear is not for the redeemed. Everyone who has enjoyed redemption has been accorded the victory over fear. You are created, a lot of people have been created. Everyone born into this world is created. But only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, have embraced the redemption. Every man, the grace of God for salvation has appeared to all men. We know that Titus 2.11. We know that God's desire is that no one would perish. But only those who attend to that redemption by faith, as God releases the grace and we come by faith, are those who have now been called the redeemed. And part of their characteristics is that they keep coming back to Zion. The Bible says, therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy, not everlasting fear, will be upon their heads. Redemption gives you exclusivity to victory over fear. And may the Lord continue to cause you to walk in this victory. In the name of Jesus. Fear is a demonic spirit. That takes advantage of our ignorance. It takes advantage of our disobedience as well. Don't know you will be afraid. There are many things the devil uses to scare the children of God today. And we'll be looking at some fears. It is impossible. There are thousands of fears. Virtually everything has a potential to manifest this spirit. It is impossible for us to look at them all, but I tried to just put them into five groups today to help us to look at them, which we'll look at a little bit later on. Fear was first entertained in the Garden of Eden. We know the story of the Garden of Eden so much, and I believe that there is no way you can preach any message about man and redemption without referring to that very pivotal point in history. Now, Genesis chapter 1, it was clear man wanted man to be created, God wanted man to be created And we know Genesis 1:26 and 27, man was created. Genesis chapter 2 was the display of man's glory. Man in his perfect state before he fell. Man who could name all the animals. Man who had communed with God so easily, so enjoyably. God coming in the cool of the day. Imagine the scenario. It was beautiful. Adam sitting with God and talking with God face to face. There was nothing and there has ever been anything like that. And uh, to cap it all, this perfect man was made more perfect, in quote, with the introduction of the woman that was brought out of him in Genesis, from Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, right up to 18. And then God said that for this purpose, a man shall leave his father and mother, to, verse 24, Genesis two twenty-four, and cleave to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, all that was very good. But we know that in Genesis chapter 3, the story changed. Verse 1, the Bible says, now the serpent was much more subtle than all the animals. And Satan got into the serpent and came to the woman and he said, has God really said? Has God really said? And we know the deception. And so man fell. To cut the long story short, man took the fruit that he was forbidden to take. And that was the beginning of the woes of man. But let's look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 9. So man went and hid himself. The Bible says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And so, let's read verse 10. Look at what Adam said in verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice. Are you reading with me, church? Let's read. I want to hear you. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The man for the first time said, I was afraid. I was afraid. Fear came in because of man's disobedience. And if man can learn from that, man must understand that apart from ignorance, the other thing that always gives access to fear is disobedience to the word of God. When man does what he shouldn't do, when he goes where he shouldn't go, when he thinks what he shouldn't think, when he imagines what he shouldn't imagine, when he says what he shouldn't say, and so on and so forth, all those things become gateways for the enemy to come in. He will not find any entrance in you, in the name of Jesus. Fear came. He said, so I was naked. And then, of course, we know the rest of the story. God said, who told you you were naked? God did not do anything to talk about the fear he was afraid of because the root was that he disobeyed and he found his nakedness. The end of chapter 2, the Bible says man and his wife, they were naked and they knew it not. There was no need for them to be embarrassed about their nakedness. But when they disobeyed and they ate the fruit, it was obvious and their carnality was exposed. So this is very important for us to understand. Fear is a demonic spirit and it takes advantage of these kind of things, our ignorance or our disobedience. So, every one of us must learn to constantly overcome fear. Fear is something that we have been given victory over, but we have to keep walking in this victory on a daily basis because fear is a spirit that does not die. It does not die, it goes and it comes. It goes and it comes. It regards and it comes. When you overcome the fear at a particular level, what you find in your life is that as you move to the next level, an orchestrated conglomeration of bigger fears will put themselves together and still come again. But it's the same principle of remembering that you have been redeemed and you have been mandated not to fear. It's the same principle that you will put in place to overcome fear and you will keep putting it in place to overcome In the name of Jesus. Look at what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We quote verse 7 a lot, but I want us to read it from verse 6 this time. Let's read together. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of of my hands. Stir up the gift of God which is in you. There is a gift of God in you and I that God has put there for us to manifest. He said we should tear it up. Then he now talked about the verse we usually quote in verse 7. Let's read out together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Why is Paul saying this to Timothy? If there is anything, if I may paraphrase those two verses. He's saying, Timothy, if there is anything that will make you not attain your ministry, it will be fear. If there is anything that will make you not to excel in your career, in your business, in your calling, it will be fear. Don't let the stirring of the gift be stopped by fear. And then Paul categorically said, it is the spirit of fear. And he said, God has not given you that. In fact, God has commanded you as the redeemed not to fear, not to entertain that spirit. That what you have been given is power, love, and sound mind. These three things culminate what we call the spirit of faith. Everything that we talk about in faith, we always say that faith is the opposite of fear. But we need to understand that faith, which comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, is nothing in itself if it does not operate by the power that God gives it. If it does not operate by love, the Bible says faith works by love. Hallelujah. And the Bible also makes us to understand that it is the soundness of mind that we must have. And I'll quickly explain those three things so that we can see how we can keep overcoming the spirit of fear. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. he said, but you shall receive what? Power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall receive the power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. Say we will fulfill destiny. By power. So the, the spirit of fear, this is why when, this, when that power came upon the apostles in Acts chapter 2, we know that by the time we saw them in Acts chapter 3, they were transformed people. They were not limited by these challenges. Of the lame man. They were not limited by the threat of the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4. They were not limited by the devil trying to come into them and and bringing in deceit and lies and and deception in Acts chapter 5 through Ananias and Sapphira. They were never limited by the upheaval that was called by the Hellenists in Acts chapter 6. They were not limited by the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. No, they were not limited. They were not limited by the persecution that arose in Acts chapter 8. They were not limited. The power does not allow you to fear. The power releases you. Hallelujah. He said, my son Timothy, my son Timothy, you have a ministry to fulfill. There is a spirit called the spirit of fear. It will come. He said, but God has not given you that spirit. Don't entertain it. What God has given you is the spirit of power. What God has given you is the spirit of love. What God has given you is the spirit of a sound mind. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He said, you shall receive power. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so that power helps you to manifest, you say you shall be a witness. Have you ever seen somebody go to the witness stand in in a courtroom and they they have told him he's going to be a witness and he gets to the stand and he reaches the place and he says, "Now I'm afraid. No, he just says what he has been asked to say because every witness has been primed as to what to say concerning the case at hand. Every believer has been primed and been given a mandate to go to the world and preach the gospel and declare that Jesus is Lord indeed. We are not to operate in the spirit of fear. We are not. We are not. I so thank God for the brethren in this church when we went out a week ago and people took microphones one after the other. I said, Lord, this is the spirit. This is the spirit of courage in action. Everyone who took the microphone spoke boldly, confidently, as if it is what they have been doing there for every week. <laughs> it is called the spirit of power to be a witness. The spirit of fear will come and tell you you can't do it. It will always tell you you will fail. It will always tell you that you are inadequate. You say, no, God has not given me the spirit of fear. Hallelujah. May you continue to walk in the spirit of power in the name of Jesus. Let's look at the spirit of love. 1 John four eighteen. He said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love, agape love, God kind of love, shed abroad in our hearts, according to Romans 5.5, 5, it casts out fear. When love is in your heart, fear is driven out. Hallelujah. He said, because fear involves torment. I told you that it is an unpleasant emotion. When it comes, it torments you. When a person is under fear, they run. And when they are running, they think negative things. This is why when fear came upon Elijah, he started talking nonsense. Elijah, who was a man who called down fire from heaven, a man who withheld rain from falling, a man who called rain to come. When the spirit of fear was entertained, he said, kill me. He said, Lord, kill me now. I'm the only one left. Stop talking nonsense. It is a spirit that when you entertain, it changes your spirituality to carnality. You must resist it. And like I said to you, it is a lifelong battle till we see Jesus. We must understand. The Bible says we need to walk in perfect love. There is no fear in love because perfect love will cast out fear. Fear always involves torment. He said, because he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You and I must assess ourselves. If we keep fearing and keep fearing, let us evaluate our love life. The great and golden commandment: love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. As you engage with that commandment, you find yourself operating much more in the spirit of love. And you will keep casting out every fear in the mighty name of Jesus. And then he talks about a sound mind. You see, the sound mind is the mind that gives us the ability to reason like God. The ability to to be perfected in our thoughts. The ability to do things. But the Bible gives us the simple, clear illustration of how the sound mind really works in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, I'll just read a couple of verses there. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that even though he was God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he did what? He humbled himself to the death of the cross. Hallelujah. He humbled himself to the death on a cross. Look at what he said in verse 8. Go to verse 8. Let's read verse 8 together. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became what? Obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. We all know that verse 9, 10 now says, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and has given him a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. That is to say, God exalted him above every fear. God put him in charge over every fear. Hallelujah. But what was that mind? He humbled himself and became obedient. Humility and obedience to God gives you power over fear. You see, when you are obeying God, you find that it is so easy. It is so easy to overcome anything that is trying to threaten your obedience. When you are walking in full obedience, obedience to God does not just mean that you are doing what God says. What it means is that you are carrying the power that he also supplies to do it. When God sends a person, he sends the person with the word and with the power. That's why we went back to Acts chapter one, verse eight. He said "And you shall receive power and then you will be witnesses in in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the earth. He did not just look at them and say, now I'm going and you will be witnesses. No, he said, now I am going back, but I am saying something to you. You will receive power first. That power will make you witnesses right here in Jerusalem where you are, and you will be also in the uttermost parts of the earth. So the soundness of mind we're talking about to, to, to move like God and do things like God Comes from the place of being humble and being obedient. The Bible says Jesus was obedient even to the point of death. He did not let anything that was natural, death is such a natural process. He did not let such a thing threaten him. The Bible says because there was a joy that was set before him, he despised the shame, he endured the cross. And because of that joy that was set before him, he obtained and is now sat at the right hand of God the Father. And so we need to understand that God has given us the sound mind to be able to humble ourselves and also be obedient to the death on the cross. Very quickly, I want to take us through five fear factors. Very, very quickly. I know time is gone. Five fear factors that hinder people from fulfilling their God-ordained destiny. Now, Like I said to you, there are loads and loads of fears. These five just tend to sort of, in my view, capture them as much as possible. But they cannot cover everything. But what I want you to know is that if you can deal with these five, in all probability, you will make good of your life and fulfill the things that God has asked you to fulfill in life. The first fear that we need to keep confronting is the fear of failure. The fear of failure. People are so afraid to fail. So many people... Many times people fail even before they start. <laughs> they fail in their mind even before they start, just because of the fear of failure. God gives that beautiful business idea and He says, You know, this whole area is in lack of this thing, and this is all you need to do. There's a shop in the corner, or there is an office space in the corner. This is it, this is it. Or in your bedroom, He says to you, Just buy this software, put this computer there, and you can do this. And and immediately that wonderful thought comes and it's like the light is shining and you're like, wow, I'm taking, I'm taking this thing by storm. Do you know what the devil would do? He a orchestrate about 100 fears. What if your money is lost? What if you fall into the hands of fraudsters? What if the taxes are raised? What if your business rates will not... What if, what if, what if? You have to understand that as you want to do anything, the devil will always come with the threat of the fear of failure you have to know how to overcome him. And you will keep overcoming him. In the name of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 14, we read about Peter. This was a time when Peter and the other disciples saw Jesus coming, walking on water towards them. Verse 28. Everyone was in the boat. But Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, let's read verse 29 together. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down... Say, out of the boat. Say, out of the boat. Say, he walked on water to go to Jesus. He stepped down, came out of the boat, and did the seemingly impossible because God said, come. At that point in time, every fear, demonically orchestrated fear of failure, vanished as far as Peter was concerned. The other 11 were there, sitting down, making sure that they were safe. He said, that Peter guy he has gone crazy. He wants to kill himself. <laughs> He's a madman. Don't mind him. He's proud. That when David appeared before Goliath, you know his brothers told him that you, you are a proud boy. They were hiding behind a rock. <laughs> Goliath said, I will kill you. They went and hid. David came out and said, I want to kill the Goliath. They said, you are, you are a proud boy. Behind a rock. <laughs> oh, God have mercy. And so Peter overcame the fear of failure first. Many of us jumped to where he sank. He overcame it first. That's why he walked on water. If you don't overcome the fear of failure, you will never walk on water. You will never do what seemingly looks impossible. You must overcome it. It's a fear that, that will so threaten you that you can't make it. If God calls you to any aspect of ministry whatsoever, to plant a church or to do something significant in ministry, hey, you will face this fear every day. Every day you wake up, he will show you 101 reasons why you will fail. (laughs) Every day you will keep battling and saying, no, God has not given me the spirit of fear. I will walk on water because the master said, come. You are not in ministry or in that business or in that job because you did it yourself. God gave you that qualification. He gave you that business idea. He gave you that marriage. He gave you that child. He gave you all those things, not so that you will fail by them. He gave them to you to succeed. And you will succeed. I say you will succeed in the name of Jesus. Psalm 23. David, of course, one of the great men who walked above the spirit of failure so many times. In verse 4, he said, yeah, though I walk, I acknowledge that I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That is to say, I will fear no evil. The fear of failure also is the father of the fear of death. You see, ultimately in life, what, is, what, what happens to people that people fear the most? is death. When you see people crying in funerals, it's not because they love the person that dies so much. <laughs> because he, he's not, he's not, that one is not hearing their crying. He has gone to answer to his, his creator. They are crying for themselves. <laughs> so you see them, they can't talk. They'll say, let's be quiet. Why are you quiet? Don't, you don't need to be quiet. He <laughs> say, let's be quiet. Let us respect. Don't respect any dead anywhere. Respect God. Have you read in your Bible that he said, and you shall respect the dead? Oh, we change you. So everybody stand there like that. They, <laughs> they are afraid. Because when they are looking at that casket, they are seeing their own future. And they are afraid. Only believers see that casket and say, one day I'm going to my master. <laughs> I'm leaving all this junk behind. Only believers. But when you have not settled account with God, all kinds of things will say, when you die now, what happens to you? So the ultimate fear is death. And the Bible says, the psalmist said, even though I'm walking in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You need to understand that God's presence with you in that place where Pastor Cephas read for us in the scripture reading, Genesis chapter, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 5. He said, fear not for I am with you. Fear not for I am with you. Fear not, I am with you. If God is with you, why are you afraid? Hallelujah. You will not fail. I say you will not fail. You know, in in Judges chapter 6 and Judges chapter 7, you can write it and read it later. It's the story of Gideon. Gideon was a man who God set up to defeat the Midianites at a point. And uh, he called for an army and 32,000 people came out. Such a very wonderful story. 32,000 people. But inside that 32,000 people, <laughs> we are 20,000 fearful people. God, God looked around and said, What? Where did all these people come from? Basically, my paraphrase. He said to Gideon, No, this is too much. These people would think that I've already given them victory, but the way they are, as many like this, they would think it's their numbers that gave them that victory. And I don't want them to think so. I want them to know it is me. So he said, You know what? You tell. Anyone who is afraid to go back home, (laughs) they came out by themselves. They did not force them out of their houses. They said, if you are afraid, go back home. Ah, The other man said, this is our chance. All All these things, you have been harassing me on the way that you didn't want to go for this. You better let us go now. (laughs) 20,000 people left. So there were 22,000 people left. Only 10,000 remained. After fear was just brought in. Fear is such a prevalent uh, spirit that it, it prevails over the heart of men so much. But thank God we know that by 300 at the end of the day, God delivered his children. And God will keep giving you victory in the name of Jesus. The second fear I want to quickly talk about is the fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. This is a fear that comes to everybody, no matter who you are. Christian, unbeliever, atheist. There is something about life that is full of unknowns. No human being on earth can tell you exactly what will happen this time tomorrow. Nobody. A lot of people guess. A lot of people try. But the reality is that only God has the blueprint of everything laid out before the foundations of the world. So there is something about the unknown that we must continue to confront. I have sat with many people many times, looking at them like this, talking and planning. And 24 hours later, they were no more. A week later, they were no more. It has happened in my life a few times. And so I understand that really life is about an unknown. We drove out of the church when I was a little boy, about nine, eight years old. We drove out of the church one day, going back home. My father was driving, and it was a normal drive, the normal route we take. And suddenly we were involved in such a ghastly accident that would have claimed our lives. This was the year 1978. And we almost all died. Just within a split second. In the same route and everywhere we take. You never know. You never know. But you know what? You must never be afraid of the unknown. When Peter, who overcame the fear of failure, came out of the boat, this particular fear attacked him. And this one thing you must understand about the spirit of fear is hydra-headed. You know what hydra-headed means? It has many heads. Have you seen a snake with two, three heads? Have you ever seen it? Go to National Geographic, put in YouTube, say snake with three heads. You will see different kinds. (laughs) It's just, you know, a malformed snake. Just like you have Siamese twins who are joined together and they have two heads, that kind of thing. So you will see a snake at times which has two heads, all fully functional. This is how fear is. It's hydra-headed. It's many-headed. So when one head of it cannot sting you and you overcome it, get ready to face the next one. Peter overcame the fear of failure. He stepped on the boat. He stepped out of the boat and was on the water. And the Bible says he was walking. (laughs) He was walking. (laughs) But the other kind of fear came. (laughs) The fear of the unknown. Look at it. Look at it. Matthew 14. Let's quickly go there. Matthew 14 verse 30. The Bible says, but when he saw... When he saw that the wind was boisterous, the one he did not see in the boat, now he saw it when he was on the water. <laughs> if he saw that one, Pastor as, he won't come out of the boat. If while he was sat down there, the wind was, I'm telling you, it was. Jesus would say, come, he say, meet us, sir. <laughs> he would have just said, Me, meet us later, we're, we're waiting. So, but the devil knows that, okay, you overcame the fear of failure, which your colleagues could not overcome. Now you, you think you are, the, you are the strong one. Now I will show you <laughs> the fear of the unknown. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Fear came because he did not know what the wind could do. Despite the commission to come, despite the master's presence, he was not too sure that these winds will not blow him off or these winds will not destabilize whatever was his stability at that time. The Bible says he was afraid and he began to sink. But thank God for Peter, the man that never gives up. He quickly shouted out to the Lord, Lord, save me, Lord, save me. And we know immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. This is one good thing about any fear you find yourself. If it hits you, don't stay down. Keep reaching out for the master. The antidote to keep coming out of every fear is to keep keeping your gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ. I say keep keeping your gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will keep delivering you in the name of Jesus. Verse 31, Jesus now said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You will no longer doubt him in the name of Jesus. Whatever God has said to you is very important for you to keep because it will keep reminding you. It is what will keep giving you faith. As I journey, I can tell you my little experience in ministry that as I journey through ministry, I find that the things that keep me going are the things God said to me many, many years ago, and particularly at the planting of this particular church. And I am encouraged by them. Keep remembering what God said, and your faith will keep rising. I say, your faith will keep rising. Amen. Abraham was a man that overcame the spirit, and the fear of the unknown very easily. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. The Bible says, God said, Come out of your people. I'm taking you to a land I will show you. And verse 3 and Abraham departed. Genesis twelve three and Abraham departed. No fear of the unknown could stop Abraham. And he was very clever. He never told his wife. He just said, come, let's go somewhere. Because he knows that the wife does not have his kind of faith. So, men, you need to understand. There is a way you can share with your wife. And this is serious. <laughs> I'm not saying lie to your wife. But you must protect their faith and your children. You want to jump in the water when God says you should jump in the water? Don't tell them we are jumping in (laughs) water. Just tell them we want to have a nice jump. (laughs) As long as you are sure that that is what God is saying to you. Because if you tell them you are jumping in the water, that's it. When I was to take this building, I did not confer with any human being. Because I know people would tell me, ah, brother Dave, nobody starts like that. Go and start in your living room. Then from your living room, you move to a corner shop. (laughs) From a corner shop, you can be thinking of this one. So I did not confer with man. When God says, look at that building is available, I say, yeah. I told my wife, go and get it. Go and get it. Because I know that if I had to ring around and say, friends, this is what God is saying to me. Many people say, ah, brother, leave me that one. When do you want to get 30000 to be paid? (laughs) But my God said, "Go." go. When God says, go. When God says, go, all you need to do is go. And Abraham overcame the fear of the unknown. May God continue to give us the wisdom in the name of Jesus. I want to qualify what I've just said because I talked about husband and wife. Please, if there is something that will put your family in a risk, find a way to discuss it well with your wife. Don't say, Pastor, say we can do anything. I'm going to do it. Don't disturb my life. <laughs> Please, I beg you. That's not what I said. <laughs> Don't go and collect one money that you want to do one business. You went to the bank. You signed 50,000 like that and they gave you the money. You didn't tell your wife. You say it's It's faith. And he's alone against your house. Mm-mm, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then you come after one week, it didn't work. You say, But you see, Pastor said we should just step out. That's not what I said. <laughs> I'm only saying that know how you tell your wife, know how you tell your children, because your own faith may have seen it and pictured it. Prayerfully discuss it and encourage them. Abraham just moved his family, and we know the rest of the story. We have to put our trust in God, who knows. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is what helps us to overcome the fear of the unknown. You don't know, but God knows. Tell your neighbor for me, you don't know. Tomorrow, but God knows. Keep putting your trust in him. Look at Isaiah 41, verse 10. He said, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. All the will, will talks about future. I will, I will, I will. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Very quickly, fear of commitment, number three. Fear of commitment. This is another fear that people entertain. You see, we must understand that if we are afraid to commit, we will restrict our lives. A lot of people are afraid of commitment today, and so they are not They are excluded from many spiritual blessings, marital blessings, even financial fortunes. We are afraid to commit. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4. Let's read it. He who observes the wind will not sow. He will not commit. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. Even when he should go for the harvest, he's looking at the clouds. He will not reap. Hallelujah. God knows. We don't know. But God knows. So if we commit to him and we trust in him, he will help us. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid to commit. Because commitment is always something that will present a challenge. Many people are afraid to commit even their resources, their finances to the things of God. Simply because they're afraid. What will I eat? What will I do? Many people are afraid to commit to marriage because they are worried, they're afraid. How will I do it? How will I stay? So a lot of people have found the easy option of just cohabiting and trying it out for some years. And then if it doesn't work, everybody goes their way. There's nothing like that. When you commit to a marriage, you evoke the blessings that come. The Bible says marriage is honorable. And so as soon as you marry, you bring a kind of honor upon yourselves that would not have been uh, obtained if marriage had not taken place. Hallelujah. Many people are afraid to invest as God leads them. God says, take this money, invest in property, invest in this business. But the fear to commit it is there and it restricts. And when you cannot obey God in something that should help you like that, it restricts you. Fear of commitment has so robbed many people of many, many blessings. It will not catch up with us. In the name of Jesus. Life is about commitment. Many people don't want to commit, even in a local assembly, because they feel that when you commit, it brings more responsibility. When you commit and you show that you can be a bit more available, it brings more responsibility. So they say, let me play it cool. Let me play it cool. (laughs) But you know what? The blessing that is waiting for you is on the altar of obedience to your next realm of commitment. Ever since I committed by the special grace and mercies of God to this assignment, to serve God at this level by the grace of God, I have found open heavens that I would never have imagined in my life. It is a mystery. More work, more responsibility, more challenges, dealing with many more people. But I find that the level of blessing that was waiting for me at that level, I could never have attained if I did not step up. I can easily stay under a pastor and just be doing it cool, preaching every now and then. When God has said, move, go and do this, move, go and do this. But the moment I said, I'm committing, heaven's opened. Commitment takes you to the realm God wants to bless you, and the devil knows it. So he brings a fear, That makes you not want to commit. You will not be overcome by it. I say you will not be overcome by it. In the name of Jesus. Fear of people's opinion. Number four. Write it down. Fear of people or people's opinion. This has entrapped people. What will people say? What will people say? You want to buy a suit. What will people say? (laughs) You put your own picture you snapped it, you put it on Facebook by yourself. And you are thinking, what will people say? (laughs) What will they say? (laughs) Fear of people. The Bible says, Proverbs 29, verse 25, the fear of man brings a snare. It's like a prison. He said, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Look Look at verse 26. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. Many people keep seeking and doing eye service just because people. Do, have you seen such people in the workplace? It's very irritating. They always shake around the boss. Have you seen that? Just shaking around the boss. The boss has never said, I, the boss is just saying, I want you to, they say, yeah, we will do it, we will do it, we will do it. It's so, you you, you feel like giving them a holy slap at times, you know. <laughs> One of those anointed slaps that, <laughs> don't go and slap anybody, and say, Pastor David, say there's holy slap, <laughs> there's nothing like that. <laughs> okay. But it's so It's so irritating. You haven't. The, the man has not finished saying something. They're already shaking. They say, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. Fear of people. Fear of people. By all means, be respectful. By all means, be honoring of authority. By all means, never be rude to anybody. But never ever in your life, fear a fellow human being. People will terrorize you. Hey, I can tell you this as a pastor. People will intimidate you. People will try to harass you and harass your calling and rubbish it. Never be afraid of people. God told me, son, I never ever said where there is no people, the vision perish. I have only said where there is no vision, the people perish. So people are dependent on vision, not vision dependent on people. Let's get it right. When there is a vision, a dream like that of Joseph, it was impossible to kill it. They said, let us kill him so that we can see what becomes of his dream. You must understand that in your life, what God has said you will do, what God has said you will attain, you have to keep trusting God. With or without people. Because when you obey God, the people must come when they need to come. The people that you will need to meet, you will meet them. Hallelujah. You want to do a business with somebody and the person is doing you like that and doing you like that and you believe that they are are not your only source. Go back to God. And God will show you the right people and right before their eyes, you will succeed in doing that thing. In the name of Jesus, never fear a person to, to the point where you think that they are your only source. Because God is your only source. You want to marry somebody and the person says, I want to marry you this year. The next year they say, I'm not sure. And they say, but they say, hold on. And then next time they say, I want to marry you again. And they, No, 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 no. Don't be afraid of any human being like that. Go to God and settle with God. And God will help you to overcome. In the name of Jesus. Joseph overcame the fear of people by divine intervention. I know we have taken time, but I want us to emphasize these things very well today, please. Joseph overcame when he was told in, in Matthew chapter 1, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Matthew chapter 1, when he was told that he was going to, uh, his, his, his wife to be, Mary, was going to have a son. The Bible says in verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example. Someone say fear of people. People in that time used to, that's why they stoned the woman, they wanted to stone the woman that was caught in adultery. People were very harsh to women who took in before wedlock, out of wedlock. They were very, very harsh to them. So Joseph loved Mary so much, he didn't want her to be that kind of a spectacle. And even punished. So he wanted to put her away privately. Not that he hated her. He wanted to just do a private thing. And look at what the angel said. Look at what the angel said. Verse 20. You probably haven't read it this way, but look at it very well. Let's read together. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to take you, your wife. Because what has happened to her is of the Holy Spirit. Fear not. Fear not. You will keep overcoming every fear of man. In the name of Jesus. Psalm 118 verse 6. He said the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Tell your neighbor for me. Man can do you nothing. Put your trust in God. Say be respectful to people. Love people. Honor people. But never fear any human being. This is very important. Verse 7 says, The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. Don't be afraid when people hate you. I'm not deluded. I know a lot of people hate me. It's not, I'm not saying this for the sake of it. I know for many years, I know that many, many people hate me. Because they must hate me. If I love Jesus and I want Jesus to, to, to be promote, to be advanced, I must be hated. You must be hated. Maybe you don't want to hear that, but I'm sorry to tell you. You must be hated. If you're a lover of God, you'll be hated by anything evil. Anything that doesn't want God will hate you. I've been following Chuck Swindle quite some years now. A, a big mentor in ministry. Great, great servant of God. Great, great servant of God. Great testimonies. Over 60, 70 years of solid ministry. Chuck Swindle said, you if, "You if you ever think that you will not be hated by the devil and using people and all sorts in ministry, you're a joker. You're a joker. So never be afraid of people. The psalm said, the Lord is on my side. There's nothing can, man can do to me. Finally, the fear of success. The fear of success. This is very interesting because many people do not know that people fear success. People are afraid to succeed because they are afraid of the pressures that success brings. This fear makes one to worry whether they will attract envy. So they take it easy. God blesses them. God increases them. They are afraid to even to just, you know, live the life, to even just do the things that is commensurate to that success. Success is not meant to make you fail. Success is meant to empower you to do more. The Bible says, and God said to Joshua, you shall have good success. He wants you to succeed. People are afraid that when they succeed, it will attract envy. The envy of man should never be afraid, something that scares you, but rather you should see yourself as a person who God is lifting up for the sake of his kingdom. Psalm 71 verse 7. Psalm 71 verse 7. I want us to, to read that finally. There are a couple of other scriptures, but we have really, really gone over time, so I'll just leave it at that. Psalm 71 verse 7. The other ones, I will share them in the course of the week over the prayer sessions by God's grace. And on Wednesday... Praise the Lord. Psalm 71 verse 7. He said, I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my what? Strong refuge. Verse 8. Let's read verse 8 together. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. This is all you need to do. Instead of fear, keep praising God. Keep ascribing greatness to the Lord. Let's pray.